Well, good morning. The Lord has been good to us. I thank him for his great mercies. Brother Chris already read to us devotional this morning. How great God is and how good he is. You might be turning your Bible to John chapter 2. We're looking at a little bit this morning, Lord willing. Hope you'll pray for me. I uh, I need it today. Uh, I'm like Brother Chris. I rejoice in that song, Victory in Jesus. The man that wrote that had some good words of praise and and uh, had a had a good hope. Of the future, sounded like, and uh, I agree. I agree. Heard about, heard about his healing, and then we heard about the mansions he's made for us. And you know that's real stuff. Amen. That's not, that's not Hollywood get-togethers. That's real, real things that God has promised to them that love Him. Paul told us in Corinthians, I have not seen, neither ear heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has in store for those that love him. Right. I paraphrase that a little bit, but you know that you get the meaning. And I'm grateful for that. You know, there, there is a reality in being a Christian. Now, I think that the devil has used religion in the world world so long that uh, they give out a message that uh, we really don't have any hope, but uh, religion is the thing to do. And and that's not the message at all. Because there is hope. There's a lively hope, in fact. If, uh, If you're saved and if you're living close to the Lord, there's a lively, lively hope of over yonder. See? Now, I, I, uh, since I got saved, I realized I'd rather be a Christian down here as anything else. But, uh, but when preachers were preaching to me as a lost person, they uh, almost always were presenting what the future holds. And, uh, and some of them uh, presented the gospel to me in a way that I could see hell waiting for unbelievers. And that's what it is. Right. And uh, the religion of the world today, uh, they teach works so strongly until they've got poor old God is up there in the corner of heaven and he's lonely and if he don't save somebody, he'll be by himself. And one preacher said, the Bible is true whether a man believes it or not. Right. And that is, that is right. The Word of God is true. As, uh, as the, Jesus said in John chapter 17, thy word is truth. So God's word is truth. It's true that we live in this world and it's according to God 
It's according to the grace of God how long you live upon this earth. It's according to the grace of God how long I live upon the earth. But the Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. Now, that's just that's in the same Bible that John 3.16 is in. See, so that means it's all true. All right. This morning I'd like to present uh, the Lord as he started out on in his earthly, earthly ministry. And uh, I want to remind you that uh, we found out over in chapter 1 that John the Baptist came to introduce Jesus Christ to Israel. Now, uh, mankind, mankind in our wisdom, they've got a problem with God choosing Israel. They, they just, you know, they, uh, some of them, when you present God chose Israel and the Gentiles were outside, had no covenants, no hope, and uh, actually were, actually were uh, uh, children of wrath. They were, they were vessels fitted for wrath. And boy, they got a problem with that. But God don't have a problem with it because he's God. And he can do what he wants to, as Paul said in Romans. Uh, the potter maketh a vessel, and can the clay say to the potter, Why hast thou made me such? See? So we can't say that. Not, not, I know people say it, but you can't say it and, and really please God because God is sovereign in all of his ways. Now, I know when I mention sovereign, of God, a lot of people's minds uh, uh, go to uh, uh, God chose these and He chose them, but but God, what He really said is in His Word. I told one feller uh, we were talking about the sovereignty of God, and of course He He went to go into the mind of God. Well, God could have done this, and God did that, and. And uh, he, brought a, he brought a thought or two, and I said, if you really want to let God be sovereign, don't, don't put words in his mouth. Let his word be true. Now, the Bible's not all God knows, but it's all that he sent us to know right now. <laughs> now, I think that some more things will be revealed to us as we go forth in this world, and as we, especially as we go forth when the Lord returns, and I think, and you don't have to agree, agree with me on this, but I think the millennial reign will be a time of when God will teach us some things that we don't know yet. That's what I think I feel about it. I think the millennial reign will not only be, we'll be reigning with Christ, but, but he will be uh, purifying uh, the earth from a standpoint of knowledge. Knowledge shall be increased, you know, and so. But anyway, uh, I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go into uh, John chapter 2, and uh, we'll see some things here that Jesus started out in his ministry. <coughs> it says, On the third day there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. 
And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. So first of all, we see that a marriage was there and, uh, and uh, uh, the mother of Jesus was there and Jesus and his disciples were called, uh, were invited to the, to the marriage and, and they went. And verse 3 says, and, and when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus saith unto him, They have no wine. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. Now, I'd like for you to note <coughs> in that scripture that Jesus honored his mother as his mother. He did not honor her as Mary, mother of God. He did not take her as someone to be worshipped. Now, from a standpoint of creation, she was a woman. She was, and she was blessed of God. I know that. The angel said, thou shalt be blessed uh, when he announced the birth of Jesus. And she was blessed among women. But she's not holy. She has no power uh, to be a mediator between you and God. She has no power to be, a, to be a mediator between you and her son. Now, there is, a, there is a philosophy going forth today that, well, the best way you get to a man is through his mother. And, and, and if you get his mother uh, uh, bragging on you, well, then the man will usually go along. And that might be true in the flesh, but it's not true with God. Not true with God. So... Mary is not holy mother of God. That's not who she is. So, I mean, that's what he indicated here. Woman. He addressed her as a woman. See what I mean? All right. Verse 5. His mother saith unto the servants, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. And there was set there six water pots of stone, after the manner of purifying of the Jews, containing two or three firskins apiece. Uh, I think a firskin, uh, did it say, is, uh, was it? About nine gallons, okay. All right, so it sounded to me like they, had, they were going to have plenty of wine. <laughs> I guess they had a lot of people there. But anyway, uh, <clears throat> So they, they, were, they had this water sitting there. And Jesus, uh, Jesus saith unto them, Fill the water pots with water, and they fill them up to the brim. And he saith unto them, Draw out and bear unto the governor of the feast, and they bear out. In other words, he got rid of them while he changed the water into wine. I don't think he, was, I don't think he got rid of them because he was ashamed of it, but I think he just told them, uh, I'll take care of this. You go your way. So, so they had. Uh, he was he was here, and 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 they had need of this wine, and and he was going to uh, he was going to turn it to to uh, water to wine. Now, we'll we'll find out as we read on uh, how this turned out. Verse nine. And when the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine. He knew not whence it was, but the servants which drew the water knew, and the governor of the feast called the bridegroom and saith unto him, Every man at the beginning doth set forth good wine, 
And when they have well drunk, then that which is worse, uh, uh, but thou hast kept the good wine until now. This beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cain of Galilee and manifested forth his glory and his disciples believed on him. Now what we got here is the first miracle that's recorded on the earth when Jesus was here personally. Now what he is doing, he is revealing to Israel that he has power to do things that's not normally done. We call them miracles. And he did many miracles. And he was able to do miracles. And if, he was, if you're saved, he did a miracle in your heart Amen. when he saved you. He can still do miracles. Even though he's not here in person, he can reach down, touch the heart of a sinner. And can I stop right here a minute and say, if you are a sinner, Jesus died for you. And like Brother Chris said, uh, we, the Bible knows nothing about getting saved and getting lost again. That's not in the Bible anywhere. See? In fact, uh, Hebrews chapter 6 says that, I'm paraphrasing that, but the writer there says that if we would get saved and lost again, it would be impossible for us to come back to Christ seeing that we crucified uh, Christ afresh and put him to an open shame. What that scripture says, if, uh, if you believe that, you believe that God is not able to save and keep you. You see what I mean? He's not able to save and keep. Wait a minute. If you go to the dictionary and you look up the word saved, what do we find in the English language. What do we find saved defined as? Well, you will find words like this, preserved, kept. Uh, uh, my mother used to can uh, vegetables and, and strawberry jam and stuff like that. And uh, when she canned it and we put it in the pantry or in the storage area, and we went in there in six months. We did not expect it to be spoiled. Right. It was saved. It was preserved. So that's what God does for you when he saves you. See? Now really, this stuff of if you live good enough, uh, you'll go to heaven when you die. The Bible says, and you know where I'm going, there's none good, no, not one. All have sinned. Uh, uh, people used to, I used to think that when you got saved, you had to live right for God to keep you. See, and that's why I'd said when I was lost, I'd look at saved people and said, well, I don't think I can live like that. So I would, I would put it off. But I found out I don't have to live it. Jesus Christ lived it for me. He lived the law to a jot and a tittle. See? Now, when you get in him, he gets in you. The Bible says God was in Christ uh, bringing, bringing uh, us to God. God was in Christ. See? And so when you get saved, you're in Christ. Christ is in God. And God forgives you your sins. 
and, and you know, I've heard people say, well, uh, uh, so-and-so got it if he can keep it. Wait a minute. The keeping is not up to us. The keeping, let me, let me say something. When my mother uh, canned a jar of corn, was the, was the keeping up to the corn? No. It was up to the seal, wasn't it? Now, once in a while, the seal would break, and, and it would spoil. One a jar would spoil because the seal didn't hold. But Paul said, we are sealed in our hearts, see, with the seal of God. So God has us sealed unto the day of redemption. And, and if we go to 1 John, we find out that we've got a mediator. Jesus Christ becomes your mediator when you get saved. We got a high priest in heaven itself making intercession for us. See, why do you need a high priest? Why do you need a high priest? Christian, why do you need a high priest? Because you ain't perfect yet. Now we're headed that way. See, we're headed that way, but not yet. So we need a mediator. We need a mediator. Jesus Christ mediates for us. Now if we sin... According to 1 John, then he becomes our advocate. Advocate is a, is a law term. See, I mean, if you get charged down here at the courthouse and uh, the judge uh, uh, gives out a writ and uh, says, okay, uh, Chris has got to appear before me, well, Brother Chris can send his lawyer down there. See, and that lawyer is an advocate for him. In other words, that lawyer will take the law and He'll say, now, Your Honor, uh, this and this and this, and the case over here of, of Casey versus Pennsylvania, it said this and this and this. And uh, so that, uh, that, that judge can, can make an opinion right there. So that's what we got in Christ. See, when you get saved, Christ became, becomes your mediator. Amen. That was God's plan all along. See? As we, as we find out in, in the book of Hebrews, the blood of bulls and goats could never take away sin. But Jesus' blood washes away sin. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Amen. See, and it does. I mean, is it, is it uh, Revelation 1, 5, where Jesus says, uh, he He's washed us in his own blood. You see? So the blood of Jesus Christ takes away sin. But the blood of bull and goats never could. You say, well, did God require that? He did under the law covenant. What for? Well, he was giving the world a pattern. He was giving the world uh, to understand that it was going to take blood. And he did require it. Those that, didn't, those that didn't go to the blood uh, according to what Moses prescribed were cut off. You see what I mean? So then that covenant, uh, yes, it was necessary. But we find out if we read Ephesians pretty closely that Jesus' blood, Jesus died for the people out of the Old Testament too. And my old preachers used to preach uh, that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob was saved on the credit. And uh, that meant that uh, 
They were justified by faith, but they, their debt hadn't been paid yet. Now, for you to go to heaven, and this is really important, you've got to have somebody to pay your debt. One good preacher said, if you don't pay, if you don't find somebody to pay your debt, when you die and go to judgment, you'll have to pay on it. And he said, you'll pay on it forever and ever in hell because you'll never get the debt paid. You just pay on it. But you can't pay for it. Jesus Christ paid it all. See, he paid the debt in full. That's what Isaiah 53 says. When God saw the travail of his soul, he was satisfied. Now, if you owe somebody, if you owe somebody a debt, for you to get clear of that debt, you've got to satisfy the person you borrowed your money from. Whoever you made the debt with, you've got to satisfy them. Well, the law put a debt on us of sin. Now, Adam put us the sin on us, but the law made it known. See, the law can't take away sin, but it can show you where it is. That's what the law did. So Jesus Christ paid the sin debt. Now, he paid it for me, and he paid it for everybody. See, Isaiah 53 again says he put the iniquity of us all on him. See, <clears throat> so God was satisfied with the death of Christ. He wasn't satisfied with the blood of bulls and goats for sin, but he was satisfied with the blood of Christ that he could forgive your sins because somebody paid your debt. Is that good? See, now you don't understand that if you owed, owed $30,000 down here somewhere and, and you said, uh, and they called you up and said, okay, it's time for you to pay that. Did you pay it? See? We can't pay it, can we? But if a strong man, if Chris come up and said, well, I've got 50000 I'll just pay that 30000 for you. And he paid it off. The creditor would be, would, would be satisfied and you could go free. Right. That's what Jesus did. See, he did that for me and you. See? But you got to move. As I say all the time, you got to respond to it you can't just sit there and say, yeah, Jesus died for sinners and uh, uh, I believe he died for me. But, but the Bible has got some requirements. You must repent. That means be guilty before God. You must become guilty before God. See, like I related last Sunday, Brother Billy went to that court. He went in that room, sat down among those criminals the judge called him in there, said, what do you got to say for yourself, Mitchell? Your Honor, I'm guilty, but I sure would appreciate mercy. That's what you got to do. Amen. See? And you got to appreciate it. A lot of people today say, well, you know, I think I'll make it by hook or crook. God ain't that bad a feller. He won't throw me into hell. The Bible says that the, that <clears throat> All the world became guilty. And he said, look unto me, all ye ends of the earth, and be ye saved. So you got to look to God to be saved. You're, if, you're, and never, if you never have experienced a born-again experience in your heart, I'm telling you this as a friend, you're not safe. 
the, the wrath of God abides on you. That's what the Bible says. I didn't say it. I'm trying to tell you about it. I'm trying to flag you down. See what I mean? Jesus said this. He said, except you repent, you'll all likewise perish. Again, can I say, what is repentance? It's taking your place before God as a guilty sinner. You, got, you, got, you are guilty in God's sight. Now the thing, the devil don't want you to know it. So he gives you good thoughts and he gives you re- religion without Christ and he gives you things like that. He, he even lets you reason. Well, I'm a pretty good feller. Surely God wouldn't throw a feller like me into, burn, into a place of burning. Oh, he will. He will because, because of sin. And it's not that we teach a mean-spirited God. I teach a loving God. See? We deserved hell. So, oh, I don't believe that. Well, believe it. That's what the Bible said. See? That's what the Bible says. All shall be turned into hell that forget God. That's what the Bible says. And I'm just trying to tell you that it's in there. I'm not trying to tantalize you. I'm not trying to uh, personally offend you. I'm just letting you know what the Bible said about it. So, so we go ahead down here. Uh, this, this beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cain of Galilee manifested forth his glory and his disciples believed on him. All right? Now, at this time, at this time, believing uh, was presented to men uh, by sight. That's why, that's why miracles were, were, were sent to the earth. See, people believed miracles and they could believe in Jesus. A day of Pentecost, how, how did we, when we read the Bible, how do we know that the apostles got the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost? Because their cloven tongues lit on them and they spake with other tongues. See, now that was a sign back then, but it's not a sign today. Where there be tongues, they shall cease. The writer of Corinthians said, see, now you might speak, you might, you might utter some syllables in the Holy Ghost. I don't know about that, but, but that don't prove you're saved to us. See, because the days of those are, are over and a man can pray to God in his, in his heart and not say a word. As one man says, God reads heart language. In fact, God knows the intent of my heart and the intent of your heart right now. That's what God knows. <clears throat> so this was the beginning of miracles. After this, he went down to Capernaum, he and his mother and his brethren and his disciples, and they continued there not many days. And the Jews' Passover was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem and found in the temple. Now the temple was the church house that they had. The temple here was the one that uh, where the high priest went in and made the holiest of holies. But the out, outward was the temple where the priest killed the animals, took the blood, offered it for the sins of the people. 
That was what the temple was. And so Jesus uh, went there and uh, he found the temple, he found in the temple those that sold oxen, sheep, doves, and the changers of money sitting. And when he'd made a scourge of small cords, he drove them all out of the temple and the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers money and overthrew the tables and said unto them that sold doves, Take these things hence, make not my father's house a house of merchandise. And his disciples remembered that it was written, The zeal of thine house has eaten me up. <clears throat> and so right here we see that uh, what we believe uh, points us to the holiness of God's house. See, they were changing money and had uh, animals in there. Now they were for sacrifices, all right, but that wasn't the place to do that. And so Jesus taught, taught them and teaches us God's house is holy. That's why we encourage children not to run in the sanctuary. We encourage that. Uh, we encourage people to to be to to treat God's house with sanctity. We come here. This is a holy place. This has been dedicated to God. People go out to a cemetery and say, oh, this is a holy place. Cemetery is not a holy place. Cemetery is where death has, has taken charge. And it's where we deposit our loved one's body waiting on the resurrection. This is the holy place where we have dedicated it to God. So that's why we encourage people you know, you don't, uh, we, we, we don't eat in this room. See? We don't, have, we don't have worldly things. I mean, some churches would have them to vote there. I would not be in favor of, of the county holding an election in this room. I would not be in charge in favor of that. Why? Because this room has been sanctified. That's the way I feel about it. And so, and so we, we reserve this room to come in here to meet God. And I hope, that we, I hope that we can do that. And so Jesus told them here, take not these things, take, take these things hence, make not my father's house a house of merchandise. See, and so uh, we do things like that to, to keep it holy here. All right? Then answered the Jews and said unto him, What sign showest unto us, seeing that thou doest these things? Jesus answered and said unto them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Then said the Jews, Forty and six years was this temple in building. Wilt thou raise it, rear it, it up in three days? Now, now they thought he was talking about the building, that Herod built. And I suppose if you did the, the research on it, you would find out that uh, part of this building had been built uh, many, many years ago. But Herod, according to history, did a great job of rebuilding the temple. So they're saying, man, it took them 46 years to build this. And you're going to raise it up in three days? Well, let's read the rest of this. <clears throat> 
But he spoke of the temple of his body. And when therefore he was risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said unto them, and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. So we say he, he was telling them, when I die and I'm buried, I'm going to raise again in three days. That was his message. But they took it. They mistook it. Like most people mistake God's word today. You up here saying something, they think you're meaning something else. You know, we just say over and over and over, salvation is by grace, not of works, lest any man should boast. And religion has got us pumped up in America. Well, if I do good, if I give the Red Cross $50, I think that'll put me in heaven. See? And no, it won't. No, it won't. Because Jesus Christ died for sinners. And, and like my old preacher would all say often, if you could work your way to heaven, be good enough to go to heaven, why did Jesus die? See, he died in vain. If you're good enough to go to heaven without, being, without repenting to God, faith in Jesus Christ, then he didn't need to die. He just get out of the way and let you do it. But we couldn't do it. See? And God gave, us, God gave the human race uh, uh, 1,500 years to prove that we couldn't do it. That's how long they lived under the law. And man, when you read Isaiah and, and uh, uh, those prophets back there, you just find God saying, Look unto me, all ye ends there, be ye saved. And you find him saying, Why do you go away from me, my people? Oh, I love you. But, but they continued to go away from God until he destroyed their nation. The Jewish nation was destroyed. And I say this the way I teach. You know, when Nebuchadnezzar came and took away Israel and took them to Babylon, they lost their kingdom. Now, they didn't, they didn't, lose, their, uh, they didn't lose their covenant, but they lost. They, never, they have not had... They have not had a legal king since they went to Babylon. They've had some imposters, but they have not had a legal king. And that's in the scripture. That's in Hosea. Uh, Israel, uh, Jacob will go many years without a king and without an ephod. I believe that's Hosea 3 and 5. See, and that's what they say. All right. <laughs> Verse 23, now when he was in Jerusalem in the Passover, the feast day, many believed his name when they saw the miracles which he did. But Jesus did not commit himself unto them because he knew all men and needed not that any should testify of man for he knew what was in man. That's what I've been saying all morning. Jesus Christ knows what's in us. See, he knows that we're a sinner by nature, that we need a Savior. See? All right, I'm out of time.